This is Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, the channelnomics podcast that connects you with channel chiefs, thought leaders, and executives about what it takes to get the next generation of tech to market. Here's your host, Larry Walsh, the CEO and Chief Analyst of Channelnomics. Hey everyone, welcome back to Changing Channels. I'm of course your host, Larry Walsh. And if you're like me, you've heard this term many times over and in many places, everything is a service. It is the seemingly unstoppable trend of our industry. Everyone seems to want to become a services-based company and generate revenue on a recurring basis. On the consuming side though, on the customer side, this means that they're paying on what they consume or what they use. Now for born in the cloud and cloud-based companies, this is not new and it's pretty straightforward. This model is what they were built for. It is their model. But for legacy hardware companies, the transition is a bit trickier. Hardware companies that sell devices from desktop to the data center have been plotting transitions to break away from their traditional transactional models and put themselves squarely in the everything as a service column. Now the transition for them isn't easy. Uh, in fact, it's a bit tricky. It takes a lot to convince partners and customers to stop hugging their servers and embrace this consumption-based model. One company that has been doing a pretty good job of it and moving steadily in the direction of consumption-based sales is Hewlett Packard Enterprise, better known as HPE. In 2017, HP announced GreenLake. Now, GreenLake is their platform and their model for selling hardware as a service. Partners sell and customers consume based on what they use. Uh, and it's a big difference uh, from the way that they've traditionally bought hardware and a one-time transaction model. Um, HP has set its sight on becoming 100% services-based revenue in the not-so-distant future. Uh, by 2024, they say that they're going to have the majority of their revenue coming from services, and they're well on their way to doing it. Now, this has not been an easy transition for HPE. It's been years in the making. Uh, they've done a lot to transition their existing their internal sales teams. They've done a lot to help partners and adopt and capitalize on this model. And they're doing a lot to get the customers to see the value that comes with it. So we thought it'd be a good idea to have one of their chief advocates come on and talk about this. And when I say it's a good idea is because there are a lot of hardware companies that are trying to go through this process and HPE is steadily making progress towards this goal. Uh, so we've asked Paul Hunter, the Managing Director of North America, to join us today to talk about what HPE has done over the past few years with GreenLake and their as-a-service model, the lessons they've learned along the way, and the opportunities now and in the future for partners uh, and customers through the services-based and consumption-based model. So with that, welcome to Changing Channels, Paul Hunter. Hi, Larry. Nice to be with you. It's great to have you, my friend. It's been a while since we've seen each other. And it's been a while since HPE announced GreenLake and started this transition to the as-a-service model. So for those that don't know, because I want to frame this up properly, is that the as-a-service and the consumption-based model or recurring products and services sold on recurring revenue is pretty well known. But GreenLake is not as well known or, dare I say, not as well understood. So can you take a minute, just tell us a little bit about Green, GreenLake and how does it work? Yeah, so we launched uh, GreenLake. First of all, we've been in the market for a long, long time. The original, the first instantiation of what we call GreenLake was what we used to call Flex Capacity. And uh, that's that offer is over 10 years old now. And uh, But the one that really started to take root with 
um, partners was kind of the third version of of that offer and we launched it in I think we launched it in 2018 I remember we had a partner event at our European Discover which was in Madrid and I'd stood up and and uh, presented the new offer and was expecting to be greeted with adulation but it wasn't quite that way because as you know partners always are a little nervous about new offerings from 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 companies because they've tried a thousand things and often they don't work so um yeah no it's it's four years old four or five years old it's essentially a cloud services offer uh the way that it works is essentially you you buy a service from a partner you're a customer you buy a service from a partner it could be storage it could be compute it could be an application running on a compute um the partner meters the usage of whatever it is the customer is buying uh customer pays or for what they use uh we we can either the partner can either run it in, in the customer's data center they can run it on a colo provider or they can run it in their own as a service provider um so think of it as a hybrid cloud offer that is sold by a partner to a customer and it can be hosted or run by the customer, the partner, or us. They kind of all those options are, are available. So is it fair to say that for those customers that still want to hug their server, they can they can pick up a server and take it wherever they want to, but still use it on a consumption-based model? Yes. Yes, they can do that. Yes. So a customer that wants to uh, go to sleep uh, holding and hugging their server, they can do that, and they can uh, they can pay for the, for what they use within a you know essentially an infrastructure as a service offer, a GreenLake offer, um, and yeah, they can run it in their data center. They can they can run it themselves, and if they just they're paying for what they use rather than buying it outright. Um, so yeah, both options are available. That and that's kind of the the most basic version of of the the a service. Yeah. But it, it, so do you do you describe it, though, as that everything is a service model or do you think it's different from that? Because traditionally what we would call this is some version of, of hardware as a service. Yeah, well, it's it's more than hardware as a service because now um, we have a we have um, what we call an edge to cloud platform. So we have a cloud native uh, management platform. It um, it enables you to run and deploy instances of storage of compute of network um, it has the ability to um, determine what the billing looks like so you can kind of take a take a view on what the cost of running a workload in public cloud is like what the what the view on running it on premise looks like um, there's some degree of traceability on where your data is so and observability so we've been working on uh innovating and putting our r d dollars into that platform for the best part of five years now and uh it's really sort of coming to uh, it's coming to fruition because we've got customers that are on the edge cloud platform they're buying block as a service and and um they're using our our cloud native management platform so it's more than just infrastructure as a service um so on top of that, we also have uh, applications. Some of it is our IP, some of it is third party 
our IP, so SAP would be an example of that, Oracle would be an example of that. You know, we will manage the SAP instance, the partner manages the SAP instance, and we just had a, a terrific win with a, a, a partner out of Columbus. And, um, you know, they're managing a, a complete renewal of an SAP environment, um, and they're doing it on a metered basis. So, um, so that would be an instance where it's third party IP. The other would be it's got some of our IP in it. So um, our private cloud edition, enterprise edition, we've got a business edition. So we've got our own software now through acquisitions over the last three or four years. Um, so that, you know, that's an offering where the, a customer can use a piece of compute and they can re-provision um, it for bare metal, for containers or for virtualization. And, and we're starting to sell that um, and establishing a footprint with it. So it, it gets multiple layers to the, to the offer. Yeah. I, I've jokingly said that customers didn't ask for the recurring revenue model to, to pay in perpetuity. They did want, and when we told them that we could give them the access anytime, anywhere, any uh, time, they really liked that idea. The entire thing of continuing to pay is not one of the things that they actually asked for. Now, I know that, I, you know, like I said, I jokingly said that we invented this as the industry because we wanted to make more money. Good for us. What's the appeal to the customer and the partner in this model? What is it that actually makes this sticky to them or attractive to them? Yeah. So when you, sort of, when you turn back the clock and think, why is it that sort of public cloud took off exponentially? And I mean, I think originally there were probably two or three dimensions to it. The first um, was the speed, you know, forget an IT project and creating a business case, doing a pilot, doing some testing, ordering some infrastructure, getting it delivered, negotiating it in six months down the line, you've got something that you are testing. You've, you know, you've got some service that's available immediately. So, you know, the speed was a, a massive transformation in customers' experience. Um, they kind of like being able to pay for what they use, they use. And I think probably 10, 15 years ago, economics was a part of the proposition. I think that has changed fairly considerably now and um, recently so that it's now it, the, the economics depend on what you're running and, and what the, the workload looks like. Um, so I think those were the two really big um, factors in customers liking cloud. What has lent itself to hybrid cloud are probably two things. One is all of that sounds great as long as all your data is somewhere in a data center being managed somewhere. And, but it's not easy to refactor applications. So that is a lot of work. There's a lot of expense, there's a lot of time and uh, you don't necessarily get the benefits associated with moving your application. So that's probably the first thing that has changed or customers have more knowledge of. Second is it takes account of where your data is and a lot of data are being generated in you know ships, in stores, in airports, in planes, in people. And it doesn't always make a whole lot of sense to take that data somewhere else, do some analysis into it, and then return it to the its point of origination. So um, taking account of data, um, taking account of um, where, where data is, but then being able to give a customer that speed to access of service is a really big deal. 
And then the other thing that you know customers enjoy is they don't have to buy all the capacity they need for the next year or year and a half. They can buy the capacity they need for the next two, three months, and then they just then then they use what they what they need, and as they need more, we we deliver more. So it doesn't tie up as much capital in uh, assets that aren't being utilized. From the early days of public clouds, that was one of the promises. Agility, scalability, flexibility, that you could scale up or you could scale down if you needed to. But the market quickly moved more towards, well, let's lock you in to certain levels of capacity. Let's lock you into a certain cycle of payments, uh, not necessarily based on that, you know, that level of friendly consumption base that you're describing. Is this a part of an evolution you think is that, is that HP is leaning into you know, only pay for what you need versus the let's get you into these larger blocks of of commitments. Well, the 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 um, relationship between commitment and flexibility, and that, you know, you've got this triumvirate of you know commitment, variability, and economics. And what we do is give the customer the option. I mean, in a very similar way to. Uh, you know, public cloud provider. If you want the ultimate flexibility, then you, likely it's going to cost more. And if you're, you know, totally commit, 100% committed, then the cost is less. Um, and, and we we kind of have a similar similar optionality. So, you know, it depends what a customer wants. It depends what um, the performance of the the attributes of the workload look like. And um, so we're happy to do what the customer thinks is the is right um but that's kind of we, we sort of think of that as uh, made to measure um hybrid cloud we also offer what are now sort of we would consider more standardized off the peg services so block as a service would be a, a great example the uh the the customer determines what level of availability they want, what level of performance they want, and then they we, we charge them on the basis for which they use it. The partner charges them for the basis which they use it, but they don't have all the optionality. And, that, and that's kind of probably increasingly where we're seeing broader scale partner adoption because the, the made to measure hybrid cloud offer, which is the bulk of our business today, is complicated. <laughs> there's a lot of complexity tied up in it. Uh, there's complexity tied up in the architecting, the solutioning, the customer engagement, the, con the contractual terms. And as much as we look to simplify, it's still a complex and demanding pursuit for, for partners and for ourselves. And And so that isn't the right model for all customers we we need a far simpler rinse and repeat approach which which is easier for partners to sell solution and uh um and operate right you you've talked about this i've seen you quoted in a few articles talking about the opportunity that's ahead uh, it's more than just ahead you you talk about the opportunities that are here today uh, in fact, uh, recently and within the past few months, you've actually increased incentives to partners to get them to become more engaged or give them more of a reason to to lean into uh, the GreenLake model. Um, 
what is it that's actually driving this growth in demand? Because I'm also seeing from your peers and HP talking about the 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 double digit growth that you're seeing and you're aiming for to continue this uh, to get to this nirvana of majority of your revenue from services. Where's that demand? Where's this opportunity coming from? Yeah, so I think the, the, there are probably two or, two origins of it. One is, as you you know asked in the previous question, the customer proposition is a good one. Not having to over provision, being able to get speed to service quickly, and provide um, the services that, that that the line of business needs quickly. Um, so the the proposition is a good one, and one that essentially has been sold through by by the hyperscalers, which is the the, the value from from adopting cloud. Um, the value to a partner is, and the value to HPE is it completely transforms a customer relationship into a client relationship. Um, you know, for a partner, it it means that they are not competing every three years for the for the same replacement and modernization with another partner. Um, so they they just there's a, just a depth to the stickiness and uh, and the frequency of the relationship that's completely transformed. Second is that you just you're building an intimacy with a customer that you don't have with a kind of what I would describe as a traditional model. So you just you're building up intelligence that really enables you to find and land other opportunities. And then the third thing is these cloud in these hybrid cloud instances they are growing quite quickly and quite effortlessly. So once you've uh, you've landed the first first environment there generally we're seeing the usage of the workload increase quite quickly and then we are adding additional services on top so the uh, kind of cross-sell and upsell opportunities much greater partners and if that were not enough um, we're seeing it for many partners who are um, looking to grow their managed services business it's a it's a really good opportunity to sort of build out a service catalog and uh, a lot of partners are you know changing their valuations as you know from moving from from purveyors of infrastructures to purveyors of services so um, this helps them do that as well we've also been noticing that there are are a number of enterprises, a lot of even mid-market companies that are moving away from the public cloud providers uh, back into more on-prem or hybrid. In fact, IDC last year reported that 71% of enterprises are repatriating their workloads from public clouds into something that's more akin to something like GreenLake. Are you seeing that effect? Because we're hearing it from other vendors as well, is that they're, they're seeing more co-location, they're seeing more on-prem uh, cloud private cloud development is that part of the growth equation and part of the opportunity that you're seeing as well yeah we're seeing we're seeing in both directions you know customers continue it depends where their customers are on the adoption and maturity of, of their cloud experience some are still in the you know in the very early stages and and are late to cloud and are moving moving applications and workloads into public cloud others are more mature and have got a broader breadth of experience on moving some back. Um, and really the ones that were kind of at the vanguard of the cloud adoption 10 years ago, and now in a position where 
there isn't one answer. It, it depends what the attributes of the workload are as to where you put it and how you use it, uh, whether it's on-prem, in colo, in being managed by someone else or in a, in a hyperscaler. So what we're actually seeing is a increased propensity for mixed environments. Customers have got a bit of, depending on their size, could have got a bit of something. Uh, but what what is new is we're seeing born in the cloud companies, clouds, you know, companies that were grew up in, um, grew up with their workloads entirely in uh, off-premise cloud native, um, start to establish uh, on-premise and involve and own their own infrastructure. So mostly when that happens, the partner is managing. Uh, or we are managing the uh, the service provision, and and it's they they don't want to own their own data center, but they want to own their infrastructure, and they want to have access to their own data. So that we that is relatively new. I'd say we've been seeing that actively happening in the past six to eighteen months. And this hasn't been a a quick journey. I mean, I'm sure that you know. Once you set your sights on something, this seems like it's a great idea. Um, I know members of your executive team, and the, I can say that I, I like most executive teams, they want things to go faster, not not go apace. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this has been a process for you. I, I want to start by the internal side of this because I've heard you and seen you talk about this. Is that you had to go through a process of reorienting your people around this idea. What was that process like? What did it take? Because, And I'll preface this, not to lead the witness, as they'd say. Um, we hear this from others, is making that transition internally is harder than it is to make the transition externally. So what was it like for HPE? Yeah, I would characterize it that we have been reconfiguring our sales teams for the past five years. Um, we need more industry expertise. Uh, we need more technical expertise. That technical expertise needs to be deeper. You're moving from, you're replenishing or modernizing infrastructure every three to four years to having a service-led sale. You are looking to connect what we do and turn it into tangible business benefit. That That's very different from how we used to compete and how we used to you know, sell to customers. And so we are, you know, we're five, I would say we're probably five years into that journey and it continues because whilst it's cloud now, and I think we're getting pretty proficient at cloud, it's now AI. I mean, you know, it's, you know, and expecting a, you know, I would describe it as a client specialist sales team to start talking to machine learning engineers. I mean, good luck with that. Um, mm. There may be a few people that have got that capability, but it's, you know, you get out of your depth very, very quickly. So we continue to be on that path. I, and I wouldn't say we are, we, we are certainly not at the destination. And, and once that we get to the destination, there'll be something else. So we've been reconfiguring the team for a while. As hard as it, as hard as it is with our own sales organization, it's even harder with partners because they don't work for you. <laughs> They've got options. And so they have to very deliberately opt in to going on the same journey and it's as hard for them as it is for us and so there might be an easier path to retire margin or quota or um 
you know make improvements to their their p and l which aren't as hard so that i think is is also part of what we see you know some partners are yeah they really see the benefit they get the strategic intent they get the opportunity they understand how hard it's going to be and they're tenacious about it but you need a lot of fortitude to go on this and and make it through the other side to start seeing the benefits um so it, it's it for sure it, it's taken a lot longer than we anticipated i think we were quite as we i was quite naive about how difficult it was going to be to get partners on the on the on the journey with us what did you have to do to get the partners on the journey because hpe not only speaks about enabling partners but making partners more competent and independent so that they can act and capitalize on the add-on opportunities that come with this consumption-based model and this hybrid model what changes that you had to make to the you know, to your program and your engagement with partners to get them to not only buy in but to buy into the future vision? Yeah, so programmatically, the it's it's a bigger um, profit opportunity for partners. Um, the, it's a path to manage services growth, which which is a, you know more beneficial valuation and we you know in this instance we financially incent the cloud services offer in far more richly than we do um the traditional offer so partners make more money um but it's not enough to make more money if the effort to get there is so great that it's difficult to 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 recoup the money and so we try to make that as easy as possible so we have dedicated sales specialists that will go and essentially help a partner to retire their first opportunity um you kind of think of it as someone you know, we get someone has a sidecar to the to the motorcyclist and and um once we've done the first then you know we don't get engaged as early on the second and the third and the fourth and by the fifth we would say we generally the partner becomes pretty self-reliant they they need some help depending on the uh, the expertise, this particular opportunity and the particular workload that might be involved, but they are, they can they can be pretty independent. Um, so help with additional expertise, help with the program and profitability. We help with a co-investment and business plans. So we will you know essentially make a we'll sign up to a joint business plan over 12 to 36 months. We'll prime the pump. We'll make the initial investment, and then based on hitting additional, um, you know, targets along the way, we will continue to invest. But we also expect partners to co-invest. Um, and then, you know, there's there's the, the the content around how do we educate the partners on what cloud conversation looks like, what the proposition looks like, how to anticipate um, the obstacles that come up. I mean, you know, in the in the first year we were making a lot of mistakes and uh, you know consequently we've learned from that and we help partners not make, repeat the same mistakes we made go back to 2017 and say and look at what you did then what would you change the, at the beginning of this transition that you know you know based on things that you know now what would you do differently 
I'd be more selective with the partners that we look to work with in the first instance. Um, and what I mean by selective is this isn't for everyone. Um, you've got to find partners whose leadership are really committed to the journey because they're committed to the outcome. And if you don't have that, it it can be too hard. The journey can be too hard. You, you know, you've got to as a, you know for for a, for a partner, they've got to reconfigure their compensation. That alone, reconfiguring compensation is is pretty painful. Um, but they need to reconfigure their compensation. They've got to set different financial expectations with their owners. They've got to be prepared to give up the opportunity to, for a straightforward replacement for something that's going to take six to nine months. Um, and we would have been better served to focus on a small number of partners, make a breakthrough with them, and then look for repeatability. And that's not really how we approached it. We approached it, we thought, let's approach the whole of our partner base, which is thousands of partners. Um, so I would have been more selective about it. Now. Uh, as I said in the introduction, we've mentioned this is that HPE is aiming to make the majority of its revenue from it, from the Green Lake or the consumption-based model by 2024. Um, you eventually want to be 100% in that direction, is my understanding. Uh, and I've looked at I'm not going to put I'm not going to commit you to numbers, but I've looked at some of your numbers and I was like, ah, you know what? They're going to make the 2024 objective, which is pretty good. But what's the future look like? What does that that future of HPE look like in this consumption based, this hybrid hybrid model, and what does that look like for the partners? Yeah, so the the, the future is we will release more and more standardized services. Uh, we'll have uh, we'll sort of move our bespoke tailoring to made to measure, and we'll have a lot of off the peg services. And I think the off the peg services are going to be the ones where we get wide-scale partner adoption i think what we have now is we've we've got greater than selective um partner adoption we've got adoption such that partners are really contributing to the growth in our um, as a service business and our arr um, so new services is a bit is a big opportunity um and then We'll, we will add, you know, start adding expertise for industries. I think partners are starting to think about how do they build practices as well, um, particularly the ones that are sort of forward thinking. And um, customers need a lot of help. Uh, you know, if just if you sort of just consider the frenzy that's going on in the market at the moment with uh, artificial intelligence, I mean, it's fine for big customers who've got you know, we've got extensive resources and extensive expertise, but there are lots of customers that do not have access to that expertise or resources, um, and they need help. And partners have a, you know, a significant part to play in in really advising customers on how to benefit from um, these breakthroughs that are going to be made using using large large language models and and fine tuning them and and all the ISV partners that are available. So this is just adding another layer of of complexity to already dynamic and changeable um, market. Well, it, the future is uh, the future has a lot of opportunity and a lot of uncertainty. And that's uh, it's I think that the the best we can say it's going to look interesting. 
Paul, it's been great having you here. It's been great having this conversation. I hope to get you back here again sometime soon. Yeah, it would be great to great to join you again, Larry. And as, as a lot of partners often tell me, where there is complexity and confusion, there is superb opportunity for partners. There always is. Always is. <laughs> Paul, great having you here, everyone. Paul Hunter, the Managing Director of North America at Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Thanks, Larry. Well, that's about all the time we have for this edition of Changing Channels. Again, I want to thank our guest, Paul Hunter, the Managing Director of North America at HPE. And I want to thank all of you for joining us again here on Changing Channels. We do this podcast for you to help you understand what's happening out in the world. And as we like to say, how technology is changing everything and how the channel is bringing technology to the consumers. Um, if you like what we're doing here, please subscribe and hit like and tell your friends about us. And also check out our other podcasts in the margin, as well as the network effect. Until next time, I'm Larry Walsh. Thank you for joining Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, a production of Channelnomics. If you've enjoyed today's episode, hit the like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and share with your friends. For more information about Channelnomics services and insights, follow us on Twitter and YouTube, and check out our website at channelnomics.com. Channelnomics is a registered trademark of and Changing Channels is copyright by 2112 Enterprises, LLC.